podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Shut up and sit down. Hey guys, it's Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the channel which features podcast series on a variety of subjects. We have shows and series on mental health, football, films, TV, wrestling, music and more, including a brand new series on serial killers. We have also have guests each week. Uh, we've had footballers, doctors, medical professionals, journalists, podcasters, authors, as well as many others. And today we have an actress and writer. Uh, over the coming months, we've got several fascinating shows and coming up with a horse racing blogger and award-winning film composer with a single coming out, uh, another footballer, as well as shows on bipolar, uh, DID and anxiety disorders, plus Mental Health in Sport Episode 3, uh, among others, plus our weekly show on conspiracy theories, regular shows on serial killers and films and TV. Please check them out, spread the word as it were. Uh, I've been really looking forward to today's show as I'm a big fan of my guest. She's an actress, writer, announcer, interviewer for Melbourne City Wrestling, general manager at Wrestle Rock, and of course was the first lady of Fightful.com. Uh, she appeared on their post show podcast, produced and starred in their very entertaining series, Most Ridiculous. Uh, I'm very happy to welcome Miss Anna, ba- Anna Bowitz to the show. <laughs> welcome, Anna. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for that introduction. Can we talk about serial killers? Because that sounded really fascinating. Sorry, it's the wrong. Yeah, podcast. yeah, I've... I to do. <laughs> no, that's cool. I um, so we got like different podcasts on loads of different stuff, and uh, <clears throat> so we did Jeffrey Dahmer for the first show, um, and we got that's to do a good like another. One. Yeah, it's just it was brutal because a lot of the like I've done a couple of serious sort of shows with the mental health stuff. But a lot of the other shows have just been like quite light-hearted, and like mm. we do a weekly show on conspiracy theories, which is just basically by me and my mate just rambling on about different conspiracy theories each week and sort of having a laugh and a beer. But the serial killer one I found was a bit different because obviously it's like involves real people and real victims mm. and stuff. So like the research with itself was a bit brutal. So yeah, yeah and there was, with Jeffrey Dahmer, there were so many victims. That like yep. got to like an hour and ten minutes, and it was like, right, we're gonna have to break this into two parts, and then, um, mm. yeah, and I think so. I'm gonna slightly rejig the next ones, so I'm because we sort of went through every single murder. Which yeah, it's, in his case, there's so many. Yeah, he is he is a fucked up guy. Um, to put it oh, yeah. neatly. It's always hard at like serial killer podcasts because I like I'm fascinated by the topic, but the ones that get like really bogged down in the details and the dark side of stuff, it's like okay, I can't. I'm having nightmares about this now. I need to stop. Yeah, it was it was quite brutal. So we I think we're going to rejig it a bit and sort of try and condense it down a bit but like we were in this position where once you've sort of gone through the first couple of murders you can't really leave any out then yeah because they're all real people so we yeah. sort of went through all of them so we're gonna the next one we're doing is uh harold shipman which is like a uk doctor who um was like killing 
like elderly people and stuff. Oh, I've heard of that yeah, one. Just like you mean and, the same one. Yeah, he um I can't remember the exact figure, but he killed loads of people over a couple of years and that was it wasn't that long ago. Because I remember it when I was younger, it was on the news and stuff. Mm. So that's going to be quite interesting to talk about. We're doing, we're recording that on Sunday. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's not the most fun. Like, I find them really interesting. But then mm. when you're trying to sort of research it, you're like, mm-hmm. really, getting, really getting into it. And it's a bit dark. Yeah. I played, so. um, I played Lizzie Borden in a play when I was like in high school, in year 10. And had to do all the research for that in this tiny room in my house in an empty house by myself and like the crime scene photos of her stepmom and dad and oh it can get real heavy yeah Yeah. especially if you're in a room and in the house on your own and you're quite young as well yeah it's a tricky one yeah, no, it is really interesting. They are really interesting to talk about, though, and like that's why we started that series. Um, mm. So we've done one, but always learning, learning different ways, and trying to make it. It's like trying to try to make it interesting and like Is it? You can't really make it that light-hearted. Mm. So it's like with the conspiracy theories, depending on which ones they are, they're quite easy to sort of have a laugh with and yeah. or ramble on and but. So like the other week we did David Icke and lizards and stuff, which was oh. wild. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was really like it's really fun show, like really interesting to talk about and just looking at all the different things. But mm. you know, it, that's easier to be lighthearted about. Yeah, than it a bit is different. Real people. So yeah. let's start with your acting. You, as I look on your website, you've listed in so much stuff, films and TV and commercials and all sorts of stuff. So did you, were you like always interested in sort of entertainment, acting, that type of thing when you were younger? Yeah. I don't remember a time in my life not wanting to play someone else or just like playing in a different scenario. Like there was, there's home footage of me when we were still in Brisbane. So I would have been about three or four years old and I'd put a, like clean washing under my shirt, pretending I was pregnant, like the lady on the TV. And I was like pretending to fold clothes and be a housewife. I don't know what I was watching. Um, yeah, and like stupid, like it, you always see stupid stuff. Like, like for me, I always used to cry to camera. Mm-hmm. Like or like when you're hugging someone and there's like like for your birthday and someone's giving you presents, like I would always turn my head to camera. Stupid mm-hmm. things like that, but then it just became I don't know, it's very similar to wrestling in that it's like it's an escape and it's heightened world that I find sometimes a lot more interesting than this one. Um oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's like Learn a lot it's what it. you said about what you said about an escape is interesting because that's where I used like the podcast and wrestling because mm. sort of outside my family the world is quite depressing at the moment so like yep. it's quite nice to have like something which you can sort of just get into and not pay any attention to what's going on mm-hmm. elsewhere. So yeah, I was like I was. 
looking at all the places that you did sort of training and stuff you uh, did it all over the place and all sorts yeah. of different uh different training including uh new york new york city which must have been a pretty cool experience yeah it was um very intense that was i would say my main source of acting school um was a, the biggest one i've been to um that was atlantic theater school in new york which is run by um it's co-run by david mamet and william h macy um william h macy who's of course married to the lady Felicity meet huffman who's currently on charges for um getting her child into a college by bribery so i'm like cool can i get my school fees back now um, i'm gonna get in trouble for that but yeah that was um an amazing experience i've always like been a massive broadway nerd um so getting to live in that place was very expensive um but a dream come true and very challenging. Yeah, I was going to say, like, so for people like myself whose acting experience is limited to like high school drama lessons, mm. what, um, like, what sort of stuff does that involve, like, on a day-to-day basis? Um, it's they have their own technique, which is practical aesthetics, um, which is based off another technique, and there's. Basically, what I like about training is it's dipping your toe into different ways of getting into a character or finding the world of a play or whatever it is. Um, And I am, as the name of practical aesthetics would suggest, I'm a pretty logical person, um, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff, um, because I like... I believe that everything doesn't really matter what the genre is, even with wrestling. Um, you should believe in it. You should believe in that world and you should believe in what your character is going through. And the best way to find that is by placing it in logic. Um, so our classes were structured most days. It was about a 10 hour day. Um, and then like, yeah, rehearsal times and all this kind of stuff on top of it. Um, so we do movement classes and um, this class called Repetition, which I actually taught a few wrestlers back at um, EPW in Perth. I taught some of them acting classes for a while and I introduced them to Repetition, which is basically just going through, you stand opposite each other and then you have to note. It's pretty much teaching how to read someone um, which is like a really weird superpower and can freak people out. Um, but yeah, so I told my repeti- repetition teacher in New York, I was like, hey, I'm teaching wrestlers how to do this now. I promise I'll name my finisher after you. Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's a so whole like, array of stuff. It's, it's really cool that you're able to take it you know, as well as take it into like films and TV and commercials and stuff, but you've also been able to take it into wrestling. Um, and I was going to say, like, one of my questions later on actually was that um, I'm sure I'd read, it might have been on like on your Twitter feed or something, that you'd been sort of helping wrestlers with like 
promos and acting yeah. type stuff, which I think is a big, we'll get into that later probably with a bit of wrestling. But I mean, that's a huge part of wrestling is being able to do a promo, to be able to act. And I feel like sometimes, and on TV sometimes, that it feels very much like just people reading lines instead yeah. of someone who's right this is my character this is the backstory this is why this person's doing this this is why they believe this this is why they hate this person and i feel like that's yeah. a bit of a lost art particularly in wwe at the moment but i think feel like sometimes like watching some tv programs that is you know you have someone mm. like christian bale or like um tom hardy or oh, i can't remember his name Who's the guy that played the Joker and then died? Um, it's Ledger. Yeah, that's the one. Couldn't remember his name. But they were like... Private earlier. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. No matter what he... Or no matter what, what role they play, they're so engulfed in it that you believe mm. every second of it. And I feel like at the moment, sometimes I watch films and that's like a lost, lost art of going about it. I learned pretty early on there is a big difference between celebrities and actors. Um, like, it's the difference is longevity of a career, someone who can keep transforming themselves over and over again. And then there really isn't um, any limit to being an actor because then you can keep playing roles until you're old. And then you get a bunch of attractive people who they sell sex um, and they sell products and that's why they're cast. And then they're the ones who don't really have that much of a career afterwards unless they like go and go out and actually learn how to act. And as much as I'm not a big fan of Matthew McConaughey, he's done a pretty good job at that. Yeah. And I think they tend to be the guys and girls who play basically essentially the same role Mm -hmm. in every film just yep. in a different storyline and i mean you know yeah all power to them i suppose but like i'm more interested when i watch in films like people like christian bale when he did the machinist and mm. like lost all that weight and was completely engulfed in this character and then you believe the story that he's telling you believe his struggles and his thing and i just feel like that's better but i mean you know each to their own i guess and i mean you know yeah and people watch different things for different reasons at the end of the day it's personal preference if they like an actor because of the way they look and they're going to pay money for that or if it's a specific franchise or whatever uh i don't know there's a place for everything i guess it's just it's easier um, from my point of view for you know, people who are in the industry who get frustrated by it to go, okay, that's what that is. I've just got to focus on my own thing over here. So. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. So like we mentioned, you've been in films, TV, commercials, all sorts, and now in, uh, in wrestling as well, which we'll, you know, we'll move on to in a minute. What was the, what's the, like, been the most exciting thing you've been a part of in terms of sort of TV and films? Um, I did a pilot a few years back 
for this is actually a web series. Um, I think it's still going. Um, it was rated, is based on the gay community in Sydney um, and drag queens and stuff. And this kid who comes up from like country, um, New South Wales, moves to the city. And then I played one of his best friends who moved up with the boyfriend at the time. Um, and it's, I just finished acting school and had this audition because they needed to replace the girl who was doing it in the web series because she just had a kid. And then they decided, she decided she was going to do the pilot. And so I didn't hear anything. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then the morning, I think they started filming on the Monday. The Tuesday morning, I got a call at 8 a.m. saying, well, do I still want the part? Can I be on set to film in an hour? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and then, like, two hours after that, I was on set um, in a drag queen's outfit because part of the story was they get their bag stolen when they first get to Sydney, and so she has nothing else to wear but a drag queen's outfit. Um, <laughs> and it was directed by the guy who did Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So, like, quite a big director. He's a very good director as well, and then that just happened. And um, unfortunately, nothing came of the pilot. It's... I think it's available on Apple or some streaming things that I should know, but it was a while ago, so no. Um, but yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So random. <laughs> yeah, and I think as well, when uh, stuff happens, like, la like la not last minute, but like quickly, or you haven't got yeah. time to like think about it, Yeah. it makes it a bit more exciting, but also you haven't got that time to sort of get in your own head and start whether it's nerves or overthinking so it, you just gotta kind way. of go. Yeah, because yeah, you just rush in to get there. And I like I like doing prep work for character stuff, but when it comes to lines and doing scenes and stuff, like I prefer improv. And we yeah. don't script the stuff for MCW or didn't for EPW either. And most ridiculous was just like an outline of what I wanted to do. Um, mm. Same with all the other stuff I've done. I just find it easier. My brain, my brain works in that weird way. Yeah, one of the first videos I saw of you, which wasn't like on Fightful, was the the Glow Auditions thing, which you posted, which yeah. is really really funny and like entertaining. And I think they're still pinned to your profile on Twitter. I think, isn't it? yeah, it's really cool. That's yeah, my baby. <laughs> Shit, it's good. It's um. So, of course, like your TV work led you to uh, Mr. Sean Ross Sapp, um, <laughs> uh, bringing you on board on Fightful. Uh, I know he's told the story, but how did uh, how did that come about that you uh, ended up there? Um, I had been listening to Sean on Wrestling Inc. And then he just left and started up with Fightful. And they were looking for someone to do transcribing for their podcasts um and i'd previously got in touch with him i think like i sent him a birthday message a month before or something i was like hey i'm a big fan of your work like happy birthday and then he um cyber stalked me and started following me back once he realized i wasn't actually like an actual real person and not some catfish um <laughs> as he told me and so i applied for this transcribing job um and then he so my, I did this web series a few years ago online called um, In Review with Jesse James, which is like 
the 16-year-old girl who thinks she knows everything and gives life advice, but she's just incredibly dumb. Um, <laughs> and he saw that and was like, can you do that for us but with wrestling? It's like, sure. It's like, not that character, right? No, 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 God, no. But just something. Okay, okay. Um, that's how it happened. And then they brought me on board for podcasts um, and then writing and, yeah. Sean gave me been, my career in wrestling. I was going to say that must have been like pretty cool for a for a wrestling fan to go, yeah. obviously, and then do some podcasts and work, you know, just for a wrestling website doing different yeah. stuff. And obviously, you still got to do like yeah, you were still doing something creative apart from sort of podcasting with the most ridiculous. So, how did the idea for most ridiculous come about? Was it just sort of from that conversation or did you take time to come up with the idea um i think it came from a conversation when i was like okay that's not very specific in terms of a video like what i did when this is very different what you want me to do um he was just like i don't know like highlight spots from the wrestling week and that was that was kind of it really. Um, I think it was always going to be in the direction of ridiculous, just, you know, taking the obscene and making it even more obscene, because that's <laughs> what I'm good at. Um, yeah, I think it started more as like, um, I think the initial intention was it was going to be like a countdown show, like yeah. the craziest moments and then building <laughs> on that. And then it just turned into this I don't know, investigation, <laughs> is Natalia really a heart, kind of stuff like that. Yeah, it was good. It was really entertaining. Um, and, yeah, and sometimes because of the way wrestling it is, it's a bit uh, bit weird and a bit, you know, a bit of a twist on some of the crazy stuff which they do themselves. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, you did the post some post-show podcasts and stuff. Which were always entertaining, because I, well, uh, what I enjoyed about watching you on the podcasts is that you weren't scared scared to say if something was shit. It was shit, and I feel like Fightful is pretty good at that. But some podcasts yeah. they almost don't wanna. They sort of skirt around it, and they don't quite go in. And I liked Fightful. And, yeah. I liked Fightful, anyway, but they they like they had you and they had Alex. And people who've got, and, and Jeff, who've got like improv experience or acting experience. So they were, it wasn't just a case of reviewing the wrestling. It was like looking at the different aspects of the, the should I say, the lack of cohesive writing and storytelling, which was clear for everyone to see. Yeah. For me, it was after, I think the first show I did was covering for a pay-per-view. And I was horrible. I did, like no idea that should be taking notes during the show and then reference them back. And then uh, someone actually commented, "Did Anna actually see the show?" Because I was just I was so terrified to speak. Um, and then it was a case of, okay, well if they want me on this. I had done a bit of wrestling training at that point, but not enough to comment on the technique or the skill of what they do. Like, okay, come from an acting background, I write, I can comment on that. Um, 
and also I'm you know, very aware that these guys aren't actors. They've had a few training classes, but they're not actors. So looking at it from a point of view of taking that into account, but then actually not to like put a blame game on, but just like, okay, well, you know, you have these talent and this is their time that they have with you. And, you know, there are extra classes that you provide sometimes, but this is their scope of what they can do right for them. Like let them do what they do. And then Dean Ambrose, well, John Moxley has now come out and said pretty much exactly that. It's like, yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's what I – and also being female, which is, you know, an elephant in the room, but there aren't a lot of female podcasters talking about this. There are a bit now. Um, There are a few when I started, but not – not it many. was always, yeah, and it was always, this is a female podcast. This is, we're commenting on female wrestling. I, to me, it's like, it doesn't, it's another point of view. It's not about, this is a gender. This is, gender. it's like, okay, well, this is my point of view. This is my experience of my life and how I've seen things. And this is another point of view that I can add to this show as opposed to the special opinion. Like, it's... Yeah. Not... Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very... It is a male-dominated sort of profession. Yeah. You know, a lot of the sort of podcasters and wrestling pundits, or whatever you want to call them, uh, wrestling media, you know, a lot, of, a lot of them are male. There's no, you know, there's no skirting around it. It's just the way it is. Um, you know, and like you said, there is more female podcasters out there now. Um, covering wrestling which is good because i think i but then i just think like to me personally i just want to hear people's opinions who i enjoy watching and who are entertaining doesn't really bother me whether they're male or female yeah but obviously i do think that because everyone's opinion's different and a female opinion is or a way a female may look at certain things is going to be different to what a male point of view is or the not necessarily yeah. the point of view but the way they interpret things it's just it's a different is life experience and yeah. that's essentially it. like you watch you listen or watch podcasts because you enjoy their point of view or it's a point of view that you haven't perhaps personally experienced before or for whatever reason um and of course there are going to be people who don't like it as I'm very well aware. Um, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't be like a lot of, I feel like a lot of things now is like, okay, well, a lot of match show structures for wrestling. Okay, we need to have the female match. And then sometimes it's like, I've had conversations with female wrestlers where like, well, I shouldn't have been on the show. There was no build to the story. We added absolutely nothing to the build of this entire show like we were the tokens like give us an actual spot let us come up to something that we should be on a show as opposed to the female match or like you know the tag match it needs to be there for a reason yeah and i think again it's the same 
you don't want people, whether they're male or female, on a podcast just as a token. We okay. want one female, one male, or whatever, you know, whatever combination it may be. You just want to put people who are interesting and stuff. That's yeah. just me, though. I get okay, it's, like why like if it's a if it's a whole thing of expressing different opinions or unless you are a very staunch this is our view podcast yeah. subscribe let's join this cult like it should be about the, the variations of opinions that's what makes things interesting it's the source of any drama is two different perspectives coming together that's what it should be, you know, for anything, anything creative or entertaining. Yeah, it's a bit boring, and that if you've got like a podcast of two or three people, and they're all just going, "Oh, yeah, that was good. Yep, that was good. Yep, that was good." Yeah. Like I'd rather hear like someone say, "Oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. It was good because," and then someone else go, "No, it was shit, mate." Then because mm. it's more interesting to hear different opinions than just have three people agree for an hour about all the stuff that you've just watched but yeah maybe that's just me so you were quite popular on fightful uh for your personality and forthright opinions <laughs> and uh was it a hard decision to leave um yeah i stopped doing most ridiculous first because putting together an episode of that show took six and a half out of seven days um yeah uh, i didn't really have a life when i did the show i literally i wasn't really even sleeping <laughs> um now given how much i sleep i still feel like i'm making up for it but i would wake up at like 4 a.m 5 a.m just work on the show go to the gym have dinner and then go to sleep at like 2 a.m and then do it again the next day and it wasn't sustainable and I wasn't making enough money doing it. Um, so that had to go. And then it just got to the point with SmackDown. The, I think the head writer changed and it just, mm. like Jeff and I used to joke how lucky we were and how bad we felt for Alex for having to cover Raw every single week and we got the good show. And then it just switched because I think the writers did just switch. Um, and just became unbearable. It was just like, I could have kept doing it, but I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying watching the show every week. I felt dumb saying the same thing over and over again every single week, and then they just do the same thing every single week, and no change looked like it was happening, and I just felt bad as well because, for me, wrestling was always joy. It was always the biggest escape it was always like it was the thing up there with music theater that made me happiest and it still is and it was just becoming this absolute chore and i didn't want to bring i didn't want to be negative about it and i didn't want people to listen to the podcast every week and just because i know it was quite apparent by the end of it how much i hated it um and that's just not something I want to put out there for people. Yeah, yeah, it's oh difficult God. because you want to give an honest opinion and you want to be like 
if you don't enjoy a segment or a show, you want to be able to say, you know, no, that was shit. I mm. that, they, and say the reasons why. But if it's a weekly thing where it's mm-hmm. just constantly bad, it's you just feel thing. like you just you even though it's like once a week and people want to hear a, your opinion, you feel like you're just saying the same things over and over mm-hmm. again. And I think that's very difficult. And I've got great yeah. respect for like for Sean, who does all of them, you know, week in, week out. And he's had to sit through hours and hours of like raw being so bad. But it's really strange because yeah. like you say, that period when you were doing it, SmackDown went really bad. Mm-hmm. And then it, uh, then sort of at the end of last year and the start of this year, it went really, really good again. And Raw is like up and down. And then lately, SmackDown's just gone back. At the moment, it feels like what it did when they used to tape it. Where, mm. You know, like it was just like I've heard a load that actually, of just yeah. pointless shit. It's just like just segments and interviews which are pretty much the same from Monday. And you just think, I could have not watched this and I mm. wouldn't have missed anything. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so like... From there, you were obviously, like you said, you've been working with some Aussie promotions and uh, doing some excellent work from the bits I've seen. How, um, like, how did you end up doing that? Because that must be really cool um, to be a wrestling fan and then suddenly be sort of thrust into doing wrestling stuff. Yeah, um, it started. I moved back from, I moved, I um, grew up in Perth. That's where most of my family are. So I moved back from Sydney to Perth um, about a year and a half ago. And just before I left, I reached out to EPW, um, Explosive Pro Wrestling in Perth. And I'd seen their stuff before and they had, they, they had the TDK, oh my God, TMDK members. Um, and that's where Mikey and Shane from. And yeah, basically just said, look, I've had, I have social media experience, um, social media managing. Um, I can do all this stuff. I can help you with your marketing. And they brought me on board and then I kind of pushed to do the interviews as part of the marketing campaign. And then, um, yeah, started doing acting classes there as well. And then... I think it was just after the progress tour. Um, I can't even remember what instigated it. I ended up coming over to Melbourne. I got in touch with Ree Bell, who runs the marketing for MCW. And she invited me along to one of their Essendon shows. Um, I think it was this time last year. And so they were looking at bringing me on board as well as EPW. And then I met with Mikey J and Jay Andrews, I think. I may have met Chris Fresh that night, but I was very, very scared of him. So I probably hid after that. He's going to love hearing that. Um, but then I met Mikey J and Jay Andrews, and Jay asked me if I'd be interested in doing the promo stuff with them as well. Um, so I did that between the two companies for six months. So flying back and forth between Perth and Melbourne for six months. And then ended up moving to Melbourne and now I'm here. And they've expanded my role here a lot as well. So 
been pretty amazing. Yeah, so I was reading uh, up and said that you've done some backstage interviews, done a bit of announcing, and uh, and then we had the, the full blown character work of Bridget. Yeah, um, Bridget, which is yes. really cool. So <laughs> before I I get into that spot, which I've got to ask you about because that's mm-hmm. fascinating. Um, were you uh, were you nervous about making that sort of jump from sort of backstage interviewer to like character, or was it just the same as just like acting everywhere? Yeah, it's just it's, just... it's play. It's all play for me. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's very different kettle of fish going out in front of a pretty drunk crowd by the time. I'm out on that stage at Wrestle Rock um, from just being backstage. But even then, I remember the early days, even sometimes now you're doing an interview backstage and everyone's in the locker room with you just watching. I remember the first mm-hmm. time that happened was when we are doing promos for the retro show and it was backstage at MCW 100, which was the biggest, one of the biggest shows we've had. And just literally everyone just standing in this hallway watching us I was like, oh, I uh, think I was more nervous about that, to be honest. But it's just one of those things, I guess. You get you get used to it, don't you? I suppose. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell me about the character that is rigid. What's her <laughs> deal? Oh, she's insane. Um, mm. I love her. Uh, she is a Russian import. Um, very old school Russian, um, somewhat offensive Russian. Um, have had a few people say they can't believe that we're getting away with this in this day and age, yeah. but it's all, it's wrestling and it's Wrestle Rock. Wrestle Rock does and says the shadier shit. Mm-hmm. Nowhere else this could work, but... Wrestle Rock is a special place. Um, yeah, so basically that was born out of... Um, I've done cosplay as Zoya from Glow before um, because the amount of times I've... Like when I was brunette especially, people messaging me, friends messaging me saying, it was so weird, it was just like watching you. And then I think, oh, that's bizarre because there's a sex scene where she's completely naked in the first episode <laughs> and I don't want that in your mind. That's just weird. Um, <laughs> but then I think, yeah, it was odd. Some of, um, I think it was Mikey J saw pictures from the night where we went out and dressed up as the characters and then they're like, can you do something like that for Russell Rock? Sure. I'm going to make a few adjustments just so this isn't an illegal <laughs> thing. Um, yeah. And then Chris Fresh, he runs creative for Wrestle Rock, so he um, gave me the the i like the general idea of where we wanted it to go. And then Bridget was born, and she's actually more based on um, Katya from RuPaul's Drag Race than Zoya okay. at this point. So I think I think we're in the clear with that. <laughs> <laughs> like the bits I've seen of uh, of it has been super entertaining, uh, <laughs> but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the staple gun shot 
that you took, uh, as, as it says on your website, right in the fucking Putin. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. Who, that's, but the thing <laughs> is, that's a classic clip, which they can use for years to come. And on, they will. Like, their streaming service or whatever, and yeah. it's just one of those things which will just be replayed forever. in slow motion and then in reverse and then in slow motion reverse for a good two minutes. Um, I've actually showed my parents as well, which they've never been to a Wrestle Rock and they will never come to a Wrestle Rock. But for some reason, I decided to show them that show. And mum was quite um, appalled. But dad, <laughs> after watching, you know, it was a good lead up. I slapped the hell out of Cracker Jack to the point where I, he actually forgot what we were doing and he legitimately got angry at me because I slapped him that hard. And then so when it came to the stable spot, Dad was like, she kind of deserved it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Pop. Thanks, Dad. Cool. Yeah. And then so also I, um, I started a job recently and one of my co-workers I found out is a, is a big wrestling fan and he comes to MCW shows and we're talking, and he's like, yeah, I've been to Wrestle Rock before. I didn't go to the last one, but I went to the one before. And I was like, is that the one where I'm um, with the stapler? So yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, nice to meet you. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's, a, it's an icebreaker. It's an icebreaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very Excellent. popular at the office now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, to me, like... Much like when I see someone take a big old kick in the balls mm -hmm. and I sort of wince and think, oh, I got a feeling that there must have been a few women who just <laughs> see this sort of on first viewing and just sort of kind of cross their legs and it's a bit like, oh. But anyway. Yeah, my best friend was actually in the front row of that show and you can see her in the footage. She She's just laughing. I think she just enjoyed it too much. But I'm sure that was a common reaction of people, just not people who knew me, apparently. I think it's such a, it's like an unexpected spot, though, isn't it? I've yeah. never seen never seen it before. You never really yeah. see, like, females take even, like, low blows and stuff like that. So it's not, you like, should. it's just completely different. Why not? Yeah. Well, so also, like um, Chris Fresh didn't know that. It was planned, so that was um, interesting. <laughs> there were real reactions on commentary. <laughs> Always the best. Always the best. Ooh. Just destroyed my microphone. So, 
are you the you're the general manager now is that right mm-hmm. you yep so is that uh, diff- how is that ownership ah so how yeah. is that different in terms of what you've got to do each night not really a little bit um to be seen it's to be seen so it was announced at the last show i don't know it's it's see what crazy shit bridget can get up to in her reign of terror yeah i think it's always fun to be a bit crazy anyway so it's, i'd imagine she must be like a really fun character to play it's very uh, cathartic <laughs> yeah you can just let yell stuff anything out. at the audience yeah that's uh, that feels like that'd be right up my alley where i could just <laughs> yell just random shit yeah. people yeah yeah i quite i quite uh, like i might have to create a character for my podcast just <laughs> so i can just sort of just yell random shit or constantly yeah ideas sure. um, there'll be some people who pay for that so yeah, like i want to be dehumanized in the most public way possible i will pay to be on your <laughs> podcast <laughs> oh i'm sure there's people who would pay for that I'm positive of it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's some weird people around, unfortunately. And maybe fortunately, it depends on Don't what your wheelhouse is. <laughs> Indeed. So, let's talk some just general wrestling. Mm-hmm. What's, um, what sort of wrestling did you watch, like, when you were growing up? Um, when I first moved to Perth, there was a video store around the corner from my house that had an entire row, like entire case worth of um, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, all that stuff, very early, like 80s, early-ish 90s. Um, so I grew up on Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter, um, all of yeah, them. That's pretty much the same as me, like in primary school. I would just make my parents take me to the video shop right like in the next sort of village over and be like, I want that, that and that and just yeah. watch wrestling for hours. But yeah. I was I wasn't allowed to watch it for so it felt like years, but I think it was probably like just a couple of months. But it was because I used to get my little brother and practice the moves and stuff. And I think my parents yeah. thought they were like scared I was gonna end up breaking his neck or something yeah i was always careful i'm the youngest so i'm lucky in that regard i used to tag team with my dog and then like wrestle the couch so that was as much damage as we did Ah, you're lucky i used to like suplex my brother around i was always (laughs) really careful though like i know it sounds like like if i caught my got three boys and i hate it when they like start wrestling each other and stuff because i know someone's going to get hurt or someone's going to get broken yeah so let's just not do that but like i remember doing it when i was a kid to my younger brother and like i would do like a suplex but i'd always be really careful how he would like put him down on the sofa and stuff mm. it wasn't just like throwing him around on the floor and yeah you know, dropping him on his head and stuff although that would explain a lot uh yes so, who was your, uh, your like your go-to guy, gal, favorite star? 
during that period? During that period, no. <laughs> ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I was an Ultimate Warrior guy. Mm-hmm. I was like the only one because everyone used to love Hulk Hogan, but he used to bore me. He always, he always has. It's like I never got into him. Like I appreciated him for what he was, but I don't know. Just Warrior I had it. Yeah, he was something different though, wasn't he? He was like mm. just a bit crazy. So, yeah. what's the first, um, like your first memory of wrestling that you can think of? Um, I think it was watching a Hogan slaughter match. I'm not sure what pay per view it was. And Hogan got busted open really bad. Um, I think he took a chair shot to the head. And I remember it because I remember thinking, where do they hide the blood caps? Was it like under the under the chair or something? And it wasn't until many, many years later I learned what actually happens. Um, yeah. And then the fascination weirdly got kicked up a notch because I was like, why? Why do people do this? I want to know more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think... Yeah, so you had like times like that where it was quite, it was, you know, they did bleed, but it was relatively rare. Mm. And then when I was like a teenager during the Attitude Era, where it was just like a free for all of blood and nudity, and yep. it was great as a teenage boy, but like it was just wild. And there was like blood almost every week on TV. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it's, and like I say, I was probably quite similar and I always used to say, say to my dad, like, oh, is this like a plastic chair? So it doesn't hurt us. It's got like a special thing in it. So it doesn't hurt, doesn't do any damage. <laughs> and then obviously all these years later and then chair shots to the head, not good. I still have people coming up to me and like, so that that's like a, a sprung floor, right? In when you wrestle, it's like, no, not really. There's like one in the middle. The rest is wood and a bit of foam. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I just remembered. You just reminded me then. Well, so what's the, like the biggest bump you've, you've taken so far? <laughs> um, the... the staple. Um, that wasn't quite a bump. Um, I've taken um, not a power slam. It was close. I think it was a, it was a body slam, but done. I think they didn't quite. I think it was with someone who hadn't really picked up someone my size before, so yeah. it was a bit more ferocious than. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as gentle as it possibly could have been. Um, and that took the wind out of me. It was like, I've heard it described like this before, and it's true. It's like your soul leaves your body and then, like, <laughs> throws itself back into you. Um, you feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> After you feel dead, you feel alive. It's something. Adrenaline, I guess. Yeah. So I ask all my guests who are linked to wrestling uh what do you think of bray wyatt's firefly funhouse um so i hadn't seen it um until you asked me to check it out 
<laughs> um, it took me about an episode to realize what it reminded me of, and you probably haven't heard of this. Most wrestling fans, I don't think, would have heard of this. Christine McConnell's, I can't remember what it's called. It's her show. It, it was on Netflix. It doesn't exist anymore. She's this um, artist, baker person who makes these, like, terrifying creations, um, like Monster House, all this kind of stuff. And the show that she had has these puppets that are her best friends that she has mm -hmm. created out of, like, sewing bits together and, like, there's a cat with an eye missing and, like, all this kind of stuff. Um, I was like, someone's watched her show. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is their version of this show. Um, so I don't know if that's the case, but something tells me it is. It's interesting. Um, in terms of them pulling it off for what I think they're trying to do, I don't think it's quite there, but I appreciate what they're doing and I'm curious to see what he does with it and how this is going to translate to in-ring. Yeah, I but think the biggest challenge will be biggest biggest challenge is going to be trying to translate it from mm. the promos to the ring. Um, like, I just think that it highlights um, and amplifies how badly they've dropped the ball with Bray Wyatt over the last few years. That they've given him a bit of creative leeway, and he's come up with this big like thing, which everyone's talking about everyone's interested in and it's the one thing on raw and smackdown which people are genuinely looking forward to the next week hmm. it's the only thing that's like must see and it's like a two minute segment each week of of the three hour programming um that's yeah. what's so bizarre to me it's wrestling was always like, for me, it was always been about the characters. And the in-ring stuff was, it's, you know, it's like the big climax fight scene in a drama. That's just how it translates. And then to have a company full of wrestlers where you market all their different personalities with catchphrases, with different merchandise and stuff, and then at the end of the day, what you get is generic wrestler number one facing generic wrestler number two who has a cool catchphrase. When it's like you have all of these different personalities, all this stuff that these guys and girls used to do before they came to WWE, and then you see it now with all these indie guys being signed and they're being forced to rebrand and they're being forced to do all this kind of stuff and it just it does my head in because I know, like, I've seen what they can do on the indies and I've seen what they've created themselves. And then to have that taken away for the chance to be a part of this company who's not even going to use them correctly breaks my heart a bit. Um, but hopefully that will change. I don't know if it will. Yes, it's frustrating. Um, and I think maybe, I mean, my one hope for him, for all those guys, is that when the XFL starts, 
Vince just kind of goes and does that and says, says to Triple H, just destroy my microphone, um, <laughs> says to Triple H, you know, you be in charge of creative because I just think it would take him like one, maybe two months to suddenly book all these guys into interesting, cohesive storylines with characters and the matches then, like you say, culminating the end of the this big feud. Well, he's like, done it given, on NXT. Yeah, but even given now with the grab, this cash grab of indie wrestlers, I just don't know how how that's going to be accommodating for every single person on yeah. all of those rosters. So I don't even know. Like, I honestly used to believe that, and I still believe that Triple H would be the best shot in terms of creative direction for that company. But now with this seemingly strategic move, I don't know what the game is beyond, you know, having having all the big names. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one because, like I say, it does feel sometimes like they're just signing people just to keep them away from other people. But like my response to that would always be NXT has done an incredible job of building guys up, giving them storylines throughout the show, no matter where they are on the card, even the ones that don't get matches on, you know, at the takeovers. They're still mm. in little clips and storylines further in their characters. And like Punishment Martinez debuted this last Wednesday. Um, and it was awesome. But he wasn't in like this big, huge angle or feud. Mm. It was like a squash match after some promos and teasers. But then you look at like Undisputed Era, they've been in some awesome feuds, awesome matches, awesome promos, everything. And then you just think they should be their next sort of group of stars, Adam Cole mm. the sort of lead. And then you think, no, they they'll they'll waste that. If he, if they were to go up onto like SmackDown or Raw next week, yeah. it would take a week or two before people would be like, Oh they've mm-hmm. done it to them as well. So I don't know. It is uh, it's frustrating. Yes, it is. What um, what wrestling do you watch at the moment? Um, at the moment, it's been a lot of local stuff, um, just because I'm working there. <laughs> um, mm. But I'm also I legitimately enjoy our products and the products of local wrestling. Um, still, New Japan. I've been watching quite a bit. Um, because also we've had some of our guys in the tournaments. Um, and Progress, I've always been a huge fan of. Um, haven't watched it in a little while. I know I need to, though, because they had the other retro show, which going after the 70s one, was just it made my day. So I've got to get onto that. Um, but they're probably the main ones. Um, yeah. MCW, PWA, EPW. Cool. I always mean to check out some of the. Always mean to check out some of the Aussie promo, uh, Aussie promotions, 
but there's just so much so much wrestling to keep mm-hmm. trying to watch and catch up I just don't have the time like I'm still way behind on New Japan and that's like one of the things that I really enjoy watching and I'm like so far behind on that so yes too much wrestling uh, I suppose yes uh, it's like too much but then I do feel like we're in a special or on the brink of a start of quite a special period of wrestling hopefully which is always I have a lot of hope especially with AEW yeah you know what they say about hope though don't you it's the hope it's going to be amazing (laughs) yeah I think so too but yeah being the uh, the pessimistic person that I am I just worry that it'll I'll get really hyped and hope and it's going to be amazing and then something will happen and it'll all go shit. For uh, me, it's up. just, I look like, I look at it as it's something different mm. done by yeah. a bunch of guys who have been craving something different and the passion seems to be there. So that's kind of it for me. As long as the passion is leading a project, then I'm interested. That's kind of felt like what's been missing at WWE. It's not lack of talent or anything at all. It's just what's the purpose? Why are you why are you doing this? Yeah, and I think I like I was only obviously only joking when I was saying that. Like I do think uh, that they'll I do think they'll succeed because everything they've done has kind of turned to gold because of they're super talented, they're super creative. And like you say, they uh you know, they've got the passion for it. And, and I they're think... the boys as well. They've they've been there, they've know they know what it's like to be on the shows. Yeah, absolutely. They've done shit to the top. So they you know, I, I feel like other workers would definitely trust them. So... Yeah, I think so. And I think uh, like you say, it seems like it's going in a very good direction. Um, okay, uh, and I, re- I really appreciate you coming on and sparing me your time. It's been a good time, good fun. Uh, tell people where they can find you on social media, TV, wherever they may find you. Um, on social media, I'm at Anna Bowett, B-A-U-E-R-T, like Jack Bauer with a T. That's what I used to tell people in high school. Um, so that's on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can find me at annabowett.com. And in about a week or two, I'll be launching a Patreon, which will include um, insights <laughs> into mm-hmm. um, Australian wrestling talent and um, also sometimes a most ridiculous or two will pop up sometimes a sports lord will pop up sometimes bridget will pop up um a vast array of characters that will explode out of my mind will be there so um that information will launch yeah on social media at some point soon <laughs> so i need to get Good my stuff. shit together I look, for- <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to sports lord anna returning <laughs> it's going to be awesome mm. um she knows so- all. Oh, yeah. And I'll be joining me for some quickfire questions. So look out for that short video on our socials. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at AceCast underscore Nation, uh, Facebook, Ace Podcast Nation, YouTube, 
facebook.com slash c slash ace podcast nation uh, as well as check out all our shows in audio form on apple podcasts podcast.co spotify stitcher all those types of people uh cheers anna and cheers guys for listening and uh, we'll see you next time Podcast Network.